So I have good news for you today. Good news for you. Okay? Now I've got a question for you. Um, have you ever felt uh, excluded or on the outs or not quite invited? You know, you, you went to the party and then you weren't sure if, if that person really invited you, if the, everybody else knew you were being invited, or, or you were the only one who uh, spoke that language or dressed that way or had that opinion, or um, anybody ever felt kind of excluded from something? Okay, a few of you. Um, I must be excluded more than the rest of you. But it uh, feels to me like maybe we're even feeling excluded even more. Have you ever even felt excluded when you went to a church? Yeah. Not quite felt on the inside. You weren't quite whatever it was that you were supposed to be to fit in there. Is it possible that people could feel excluded? I think even sometimes people assume that they'll be excluded. People even who've never been to a church just assume that they don't belong there. I think that's kind of gotten to be an, uh, an assumption sometimes in our, in our society that, that, yeah, you know, that's probably not a place where I'm going to be welcomed. And I think it, it tends to be, you know, emphasized even. But I've got good news for you today because you are included. Whoever you are, you are included in God's kingdom. You are welcome to be part of his people, his family, of us. I've got good news for you. So we have expanded our crash here, and uh, you'll see that this, uh, the angel came and spoke to the shepherds and said, don't be afraid, because they were terrified. <laughs> don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. So it's good news. And it's good news not just for some people. It's good news for all people. For you. If you're watching online, you might not think you really belong here. It's good news for you. Now, do you live like this is good news that will bring joy, great joy for all people? For you? Or is it just good news for some other people? Is there anyone you're afraid? Maybe not. Maybe it's not really good news for them. Or maybe I couldn't really talk to them about it because they wouldn't see it as good news. Um, so, the good news is Jesus is King. He's Messiah. He's Lord. He's Savior of a new kingdom. And we get to share the good news about Jesus with all. Everybody. So, we've been in Acts. We've been going through Acts. You can open your Bibles to Acts 26 to 40. I will have the whole text up here this time. Well, you remember that Philip, there was a persecution. And uh, the Spirit used that persecution as people were scattered to use it so that they brought the good news to other people. People who were very different from them. Philip went to the Samaritans. The Samaritans were close by, but culturally, religiously, very different. Very at odds. And yet the good news was received, and there was great joy in that city. And then Philip is in the middle of this amazing outreach. All this stuff is happening. And then the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Leave. 
I, I got to think even better. I said, well, wait a second. I, I'm in the middle. Why would I leave? I'm so important here, and there's so much is happening here. And he says, no, go. We said we're a, we say we're a place where strangers become friends, friends become family, and family becomes sent ones. Now, Philip was sent the first time just involuntarily, <laughs> necessarily forced to flee along with others who scattered the good news everywhere. This time, it was voluntary. The Spirit wanted something done. And the Spirit said, go. And he obeyed. Now, the Spirit didn't give him a road map. It wasn't like Google that you can look and say, okay, then I'm going to turn there, I'm going to go there. and then I go. No, no, it was just like, go south. Go to this road. Okay, so there's nothing. That, he goes south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this is the road from Jerusalem to Philistine country and on to Egypt and Africa. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, or Nubia or Cush, uh, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. So the Kandake is a, not a personal name, that's the title of the queen, the queen mother of Ethiopia. He's in charge of all of her money. Um, the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. So that's a long ways. I have actually done that trip from Jerusalem to well, the edge. Uh, the Aswan Dam was kind of the edge of Nubia, but this is basically Sudan. So it's a long ways, especially if you're doing a chariot and not a bus. Um, and so he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, interestingly, you remember that Philip was a little on the outside because he was a Greek-speaking, Hellenistic, his culture and language, a little different than the apostles. But this was not an ascent one who was sent. It was one of those deacons who was sent. One of the reasons is he spoke Greek. And this, this guy would not have, he would have known Greek because it was a, but he wouldn't have known Aramaic. That's too local a language. And so Philip is there in the, and so who is this guy? Well, he is rich and powerful official, rich enough to actually have a copy of Isaiah to be riding in a chariot. He's in the limo with the government plates, right? And uh, probably, uh, you know, maybe he's got, got a, uh, s some security too. I don't know. He's got, definitely got a chauffeur. He's rich and powerful. Yeah, Philip is none of that. But uh, anyways, he's a rich and powerful official. He's a eunuch. Now, what is a eunuch? We don't use that word very much. Um, so a eunuch was, in the time, well, often an official, but a, um, a person who had been castrated, who had been um, made sure that he could not have kids. Um, the reason was he is, he is a close, um, working closely with the queen, and this is what they did. They had people who worked closely with the queen. They wanted to make sure nothing happened. Nobody got a, only... The king got to sleep with the queen. The right person sleep. They didn't want any kids that they didn't know where they came from. So they made sure that whoever was working there. So in a way, he's really exalted in this official position, which maybe removed him from people in some ways in itself. But then on the other hand, he's really a slave because he didn't even, he was castrated not because he wanted to be, just because that's required. You will do this. You will be an official, you will be castrated, you will not have children because we are making you the personal assistant to the queen. This was not his choice. Um, 
So that's what Unix were, and, and Unix, um, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but Unix were not respected in that sense in the, in, in the ancient world and in, in Israel because children were so important. I mean, children were just, I'm, the sense I get is it's similar to what I get in Africa, that it's so important to, to have children that your name would be passed on, that the covenant family would be passed on, the, the, your family would, would be passed on to the next generation, that it's critical that you have children. So one of my uh, students, PhD students said, uh, he was talking about, um, he, he was walking with his mother one time when he was a teenager and he said, yeah, I don't even, I don't know if I'm gonna get married or have kids. She stopped, she looked at him and said, don't you ever think that. Don't you ever say that you will get married. There was no choice about whether he wanted to get married or not because it wasn't about him, it was about children for the family. And so that was just what he had to do. So people who couldn't do that were scorned, despised. They were not really, um, and especially within the, the, the people of Israel as well. So um, he was also a foreigner. He's an African. So he, uh, you know, race, we didn't, didn't have racism in the same way. People were a lot of different colors, and uh, Jesus was definitely darker than me. But this guy's darker than Philip. He's a black African. He's from Sudan. And uh, so, he, but he's a foreigner. He's not even in the Roman Empire. He's in the Nubian Empire, or the, the, where the Kandake is queen. And so he is an outsider. And he is excluded from the temple, both as a foreigner. Now, he could have converted to Christianity, to Judaism, but maybe he couldn't because we're not clear. If Was he a convert to Judaism? How could you be a convert and, and be an, a eunuch? Um, maybe he's Gentile. Maybe he was converted, but... You see, Deuteronomy 23.1 said, If a man's testicles are crushed or his penis is cut off, he may not be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. The purity, the holiness of the assembly, there's lots of things, and then that goes on to talk about, um, you know, Egyptians, after three generations, they can be admitted, but now the Moabites, ten generations. The foreigners were really not admitted. When you got to the temple at that time, there was a barrier that said, Gentiles, stop here. If you go past this, it's your life and it will be taken from you. Um, so there was a barrier to make sure that foreigners did not enter. And eunuchs also could not enter. They were scorned by Jews because they couldn't perpetuate the covenant family. So this is somebody who had just been, think of it, he had traveled all that way to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship Yahweh. What He must have desired to worship Yahweh. He must have been a, a these, some kind of a Jew or a real God-fearer who wanted to be a Jew, and yet, it seems, he would have been excluded from going all the way in to the temple. He would have been kept in the outer court of the foreigners to go to Jerusalem and yet not be able to actually enter the temple. He's going away. He's, he's thinking about all this. He's, he's meditating on Isaiah. And this is right when the Spirit of the Lord sends somebody. So the Spirit of the Lord loves this person. God loves this person. He sends Philip. He says, you know, you're doing a great job in this huge, this huge revival and stuff here, but I need you to go with this person. God loves you enough to send somebody specifically to you. Somebody did come specifically to you. Maybe it was just your mother, but God sent somebody to you. Um, and this is a key text for us, one of our foundation DNA texts that you hear us refer to a lot. It says in Isaiah 
taking off of that. It says, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, Yahweh will never let me be part of his people. Notice they're committing themselves to Yahweh, but don't say you'll, he'll never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what Yahweh says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house. Inside, a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I will give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to Yahweh, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem, and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. You know why we say we radiate life and joy? It's from this text. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Yahweh will bring back the outcasts of Israel. Who brings back the outcasts of Israel says, I will bring others too, besides my people Israel. So back in Isaiah's time, he's looking forward and he's saying, there's going to come a time when inside the house, all those people who are excluded are going to be insiders. You are welcome as an insider. Now there may be things that you feel like have kept you out. And I'll be honest, sometimes the church has kept people out and, and made requirements of people that they, that they do certain things before they could get in. They'd have to change somehow. And in, in a sense of being culturally or, or, or changing identity, I've been reading a book about Indian boarding schools, the uh, kill, kill the Indian, save the man. The idea is they had to become not Indian in order to be Christian and American. And where the gospel has gone well, it did not go well with Native Americans because we tried to make them us, not members of the body of Christ. But the, when you're forced to be something other than, um, than that, so you are welcome to be who you are except for, I mean not except, the foreigners commit themselves to the Lord who will do what pleases him. If you, you are welcome to do what pleases God and you are inside because of what Jesus has done. Are you following me? Um, so let's go on. It's just a, such an important text to us. So the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk, walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. So this is kind of a comical picture when you think about it, right? The, the, the limousine with the government plates is going by, and uh, Philip runs up to the, to the thing and says, Hey! No, first he comes up and listens, right? Oh, he's reading Isaiah. Ah! So he ran over and said, Do you understand what you're reading? Isn't it kind of comical? I mean, if it was me, I'm, I'd be like, that guy is way beyond me. Right? He, he, he's got the chauffeur. He's probably got the bodyguard. I'm not, I'm not going there. 
I'm on foot. Who am I? But he runs up alongside because the Spirit tells him, just run up there. Notice the Spirit doesn't give him any more instructions. He doesn't say when you get there what's going to happen. He's like, okay, I'll run up. The window's down. That's good. So he hears him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And then, notice there's about four questions here. Man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? Calvin said, wow, I'm impressed with this guy. He realizes that he needs instruction. So many people in our day don't think they need instruction. They think they know it all. Um, they don't think they need any teachers. Of course, that was just in Calvin's day. These days, that would never happen. Everybody's very humble about what they don't know. Um, <laughs> somebody's laughing. Um, do you realize that the Spirit not only gives us the Scriptures, He also gives us teachers. And He gives us a whole history of teachers, all the way back to Calvin and Philip and the Apostles. And so it isn't just up to us to figure out what this maybe means. We have a whole history of teachers that help us to understand. We have a community to help us understand. And a community that's not only here, but all over the world. Um, and we get to help one another and all through history. So, he says, I need an instruction. I need some teaching. And he urged Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. So, stops the car, opens the door, pulls him into the limousine. So, Philip's sitting and, and talking to him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was like a sheep. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Isn't it interesting that he's reading that passage? And I'm thinking, what would he have been thinking? Who is this person? This person who was humiliated. Who was humiliated before his cutters. Who couldn't speak of any descendants. I think the Ethiopian eunuch is identifying with this, whoever this is. Because he also has been humiliated and cut and gotten no justice. And has no descendants. Which is such a shame, especially in that world. So he wants to know, who is this? Is this Isaiah or somebody else? Now Philip goes right from there, goes right in and says, um, well, actually, it's all about Jesus. I got good news about Jesus. And if you read the context, we can see that it clearly is about Jesus. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow was acquainted with deepest grief. He turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins, beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Let, yet Yahweh laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth, unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. 
He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Isn't it interesting that that happens to be what he's reading right when he comes along? Now, the truth is, Jesus, you remember this story in the end of Luke? Where Jesus comes alongside some people who are talking along the way about what's happened. And he, he just asks them questions. So, what are you talking about? What's, what things? And then he talks... He takes it all around to Jesus himself and the scriptures and how he must suffer and die. And this is a very reminiscent of that story. I think Luke is trying to make a parallel here that um, this guy comes along and actually the scriptures all point to Jesus, right? This is a great place to, and obviously Philip went on and told a lot of stuff. We don't get the whole sermon here, but he told all about Jesus. Because the good news is about Jesus. There's good news for you. And you have good news to share. It's all about Jesus. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Sorry, I didn't get to this question. Um, this is the third question. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, so he's telling him this, all this about the good news about Jesus, a lot of stuff, apparently, because Philip, Philip has a lot of, uh, the eunuch has a lot of instruction, even knows about baptism and other things. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Just think. This eunuch had traveled all that way to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, and he'd gotten so close, but was excluded. And here, he says, well, if this good news is all true, could it be true about me? Even me? And Philip says, yes, sure. I'll baptize you. You can be... My brother, you can be part of the family. You can be included in the household of God. You are included in the household of God. If you want to be baptized, you can be baptized. You can be a member. You can be one of us. All saved by the grace of God. Now some of you are saying, well, accept. And you see too many times, like I said, that the church has added things to this. Like, well, of course, you'd have to do this, and you'd have to be like that, and you'd have to... And there's too many stories. Mahatma Gandhi heard about this great evangelist when he lived in South Africa. He went to hear him, but of course, he couldn't actually get in to see him. He had to sit off over someplace else and listen, because he wasn't white. And Mahatma Gandhi loved Jesus. He loved the Sermon on the Mount. He patterned his life after Jesus. But he rejected Christianity because it rejected him. So many times we have added something. And to be honest, in Africa, often in recent history, we've added, well, you'd have to be Western somehow. You'd have to be part of the civilized somehow. Some of the, the Christian nation, you'd have to 
you know, do a few things, dress a different way, and, and, and not have this, and not do that, and not, and, but with this African, Philip's got no, he says, sure, of course, I'll baptize you. The only requirement is what we saw in earlier, right? That you commit yourself to Yahweh, and you do what pleases him. Now, there's another verse that's added in here. I think because some scribe, in some, in some manuscripts, maybe it was there, but it probably wasn't. Uh, one of the scribes is probably like added a little bit of the baptismal formula. Well, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you, then you, then, and I, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to make sure that he really did believe. You know, it's not like Simon. Um, you see, our tendency to want to put something in there, make sure. Oh, of course, it's great to have catechism before baptism to know what you're committing to, but Philip had given him. He knew what he was committing to. And he committed, he repented, went into baptism, and was fully committed to this. Do you understand? We are a welcoming and transforming church. God welcomes you wherever you are. And he's going to help you do what pleases him. Um, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. It's good news that will bring great joy to all people. It had already brought great joy to the city in the Samaria. It was bringing great joy to him. And he's going on down to Nubia. We, we don't really know what happens to him. We don't really know who he shares this word with. But we know that Mark went to Egypt soon. That the Af you know, Africa got the gospel very soon. I mean, us Scandinavians, it was like a thousand years before we got in on things. We were pretty excluded, those terrorists up in the north, you know, those Vikings. Um, but here, they receive it. And he takes it down into Africa. Of course, Jesus went to Africa before he went to Nazareth, right? You remember that? So somehow we've got the story backwards that somehow because of uh, it somehow Jesus was a, a white person and then it eventually got to Africa. No, no. Jesus got to Africa a lot faster than he got to Scandinavia, it turned out. Um, meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. Again, Philistine country. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So he's going up the, up the north coast. Of, of Caesarea. So, um, I want you to think about, is there something that makes you think that you aren't really qualified for this good news? That there's something that, beyond having to do what pleases God, that disqualifies you, excludes you? It's not real. Okay? You are welcome among the people of God. Now, I want to I add something. I hadn't paid a lot of attention to the eunuch part of this before. Of course, being an African, I love the Africa part of this one. But the eunuch part of it, I hadn't thought about so much. But, you know, I think sometimes in the church, we've emphasized family so much because we love kids so much that if you're single or you don't have any kids or you, you have, uh, for some reason, you're, you're, or you're divorced, or you have something else going on, sometimes you can feel, I'm not really in. I'm not really 
part of it. But it's all, we're all family. And it doesn't matter what color skin you have or what your uh, marital status is or whether you've ever had kids or, or not. Um, you are part of us. And forgive us if we have given any hint that you're not or that you'd be more acceptable if you did some particular thing or that you'd have to change who you are to be, to be some particular way, okay? The, the only requirement is that you do what pleases God. Now, are there any people that you... I want to also say, you know, sometimes people feel excluded. I remember somebody in our, in our church who came to me and said, you know, um, I, have, I have desires for other men. I'm a man, I have desires for other men, and I just, I don't know what to do with that. And he felt so condemned. And I said, well, you know, I have desires for other women other than my wife. And that's something we, we, we pray through, we've got to work with. But it, 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 was a, it was a condemnation that was not necessary. He was doing what pleased God. He was living with his wife and his, and his kids, but he was burdened by that. But that is not a reason to be burdened. We all come by grace and we work to do what pleases God. Right? People who feel somehow different in that way, it doesn't make you excluded. And I want to say to some of us, when you see somebody who has something different from you, whatever that is, a bumper sticker that looks different or, or the, a, a sign outside their house that, that you don't agree with, Run up to that house. Knock on the door. Well, okay, do it when the Lord tells you to, right? Not in the middle of the night or something, all right? But don't, let's get the barriers out of our minds that say that's not somebody who would really see this as good news, who this would bring joy to. Because the Spirit may be desiring that person so much might be sending you. And listen. And listen when you get kind of maybe just some impressions. You know, go over here and try this. And, he, and then they're not all worked out. And you, and you, you know, my tendency is to say, okay, God, I could do that. But then what happens next? And what after that? What, what, what will I say? Philip had none of that. It was just go. He got the first step. And then God showed him the next step. And he showed him what to say. And Philip started with a question. What a great way to start. And not a question that's necessarily um, a leading question. You know, like, oh, well, I'm going get to get you my, uh, this is how I get to my, my, my thing I want to lay on you. But he entered into what was happening with this person where he was at. Questions are a great way. There's four questions in this one. Questions are a fantastic way. To enter into conversation to see where people are really at and to see what kind of good news they might need right now about Jesus. Now we get talking about all kinds of other news, right? Mostly bad news. Sometimes good news. But we got good news, right? Let's share it with people. So I want you to notice, obey the Spirit and share good news. Every chance you get. Now, sometimes you're going to go. Sometimes it's going to be forced. Sometimes it's going to be voluntary. Sometimes people come. So in the past, the, the idea was that all the nations would come to the temple. 
and meet God there. But now the, the temple is spreading out from Jerusalem. The fire is spreading with Philip and other people. And it's forced. And now it's voluntary. So sometimes people come. So, you know, um, the people who evangelized the Scandinavians were slaves who were forced to come to Scandinavia because they were taken by the Vikings. And they evangelized my ancestors. God does it all kinds of different ways. And then also stay where the Spirit puts you. So way later, this is in Acts 21. Sorry, I didn't put the text there. I think it's 21. The next day we, as in Luke and Paul and others, went to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. So I want you to notice something here. When God told Philip to go, well, first of all, when Philip was forced to go, he shared the news wherever he went. Then when, when the Spirit told him to go, he went. And then when the Spirit told him to stay, he stayed. He got to Caesarea, and the Spirit didn't say anything else, so he just stayed there and evangelized that area on the coast. And he's invested in raising four daughters who had a great ministry. And uh, I, I, when I was teaching this back uh, 15 years or more ago, 20 years ago, I, I said, are you invested to, to the ministers and pastors I was teaching in Tanzania, are you investing in growing your kids? And you're, see, sometimes it can be fun to be called and sent and go do some evangelism someplace and do something really cool. And then, on the other hand, raising kids can be just a lot of work. And you don't get a whole lot of results. Now, when I, when I read my old notes, I thought, yeah, I'm glad I invested in raising my kids and raising my daughters to be good ministers. His foreign married daughters were famous. At least two of them remained in, in Asia. They moved to Asia eventually, and they were well-known in the church for their ministry. So when the, God tells you to go, go. When he calls you to stay, stay. Now, when we say friends become family and family become sent ones, I think some of you sometimes think, I'm telling you, get out of here. But that's not the case. When the Spirit sends you, then go. When we send you like they send uh, uh, Paul later, then, then go. You get what I'm saying? When we were sent, I, I, I felt called to Tanzania. We, we had spent eight years trying to get to Tanzania. Now this church said stay for a little while, and then we stayed for a little while, and then we went. And then when I got there, it was terrible. And we were sick and panic attacks and all that stuff. And then it was hard to stay. But the Spirit had told me to stay. Earlier, when we were here and we were, Jan had a good job with this extension service and I was assistant pastor enjoying it all, and we wanted to stay. But the last thing the Spirit told me was to go. So we had to go. But then when we got there, we really wanted to come back here. But the Spirit hadn't said that. Last thing we heard was, be in Tanzania. Go to Tanzania. And then when we got comfortable, then he said, go to Kenya, which didn't make any sense because I was finally comfortable. So what I want to tell you is, where God has called you, stay there, minister, do that. And as soon as he says, go someplace else, do that. But most of us like to run off as soon as it gets hard someplace. Maybe it'll be better someplace else. 
You notice Philip isn't choosing his ministries here. He isn't saying, I think that church over there is probably better. I, you know, it's probably better over there. Wouldn't it be cool if I could? No, he's waiting for the Spirit. And of course, when he gets forced, he's a refugee. He runs away. Um, we didn't get a word from the Lord there. It was just the police knocking on doors. Saul coming after the people. So I have good news for you today. And it's Jesus. And I just want to encourage you to share good news about Jesus with all. With everyone. Don't say, ah, that person's different from me. That person, I don't think I could relate to them. They're one of those people. <laughs> They're one of the people Jesus loves. One of the people the Spirit is longing for. And if you are there, run up alongside the chariot and listen. Maybe ask a question to find out something a little more about what's happening. What might the Spirit be doing in that person's life? Listen well, ask a question, and when the door opens, share some good news about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have good news for me, for each and every one of us, for those who are watching us online, for the people around us. God, help us to know how to listen well how to ask good questions, how to see what you're already doing, and how to speak the truth, the good news about you. And may you help us to turn to you and do what pleases you, commit ourselves to you. Thank you for a community. Make us a community of grace that welcomes everybody. All the people that you want to share good news with all the people you want in our family. Jesus, we thank you for your great kindness. Thank you for going, for coming all the way to us and sharing yourself and your good news with us. Thank you. Help us to also share it with others. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.